Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the TSMU Q&A series. I'm your host, Emily Kroll. I am the Gaming Strategic Marketing Manager over at Lenovo Legion. And today we're joined by an extremely special and legendary guest that you all know, Mr. Parth Nadu. Hey, Parth. Hey, how's it going, Emily? Great to see you this evening. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Just finished up the day of work and now just winding down. So happy to do this for you guys. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you. I'm going to go over the rules quickly, um, you know, how this really works, and then we'll uh, get into some intros and some questions. So for this Q&A, we'll be pulling questions from the TSMU Discord. So if you have a question for Parth, head to discord.gg TSMU and ask your question in the Ask Stream Questions Here channel. Once you've asked your question, join the Waiting Room Voice channel to wait to be selected to join us on the show. Once people, well, while people get their questions in, Parth, why don't you let us know a bit about yourself and what you do in your role as the general manager of league operations at TSM? For sure. So um, I've been working in this role for, I'd say, four years now. Uh, I've been with TSM since 2015, starting as an analyst and then coaching for a few years. Um, right now, I kind of handle everything that encompasses the League of Legends operations that's running the LCS team, the academy team, and any amateur programs that we're starting up, um, including the staff. I work with the TSM organization in terms of like partnership deliverables, making sure that everything is streamlined in terms of um, the facilities and communications from the org side. And then finally, I also do a lot of work on the Riot end, um, helping kind of shape the structure of the league, providing feedback and kind of tweaking the system as it kind of goes. So my, my role is kind of all encompassing uh, in working with uh, the players and teams working on the org side, and then also working with like the publisher in this case being Riot. Wow, amazing. Well, some also might know you as the winningest coach in TSM history. Got to plug that for you. <laughs> I think I'm actually tied for that with Kane, but I don't say I don't think I take a, should take as much credit as he did for helping his team. So thank you anyway for the unofficial title. Of course, of course. Um, well, everyone's really excited to have you here, Parth. So we do already have our first caller. So we're going to pass the mic to Streep. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Good evening. So my name is Jason. I'm a student at Stony Brook University studying psychology and mass communication. Um, I had two questions for you, both of them kind of multi-part. So I'll get started with the first one. Um, correct me if I'm mistaken, but in 2017, you coached the team with Weldon. Um, could you care to explain how this dynamic helps you grow not only as a coach, but as someone um, managing players? We know Weldon's ex expertise is in me mental health, um, where their skills you took away on mental health side on how you approach players and communicate with them that you still find yourself using today. Sure. So I worked with Weldon for one split in summer of 2016. Um, so that's when I wasn't... That was my first split coaching. Um, I had more of a like a strategic background and as like an analyst background, but obviously I didn't have as much experience coaching a team or a group of players. So what help Walden really taught me is the idea that habits uh, and customs are really important for a team. Um, so even though they may not have meaning or have as a value when you say them out loud just having a routine that the team kind of always falls back on and does every day no matter what uh 
kind of sets the tone uh, for everyone to kind of come back to during like a very competitive season. So, I mean, there were some small things like, um, like we did like great falls before uh, every match. We had, we kind of had sessions where we would write down things in our journal for five minutes um, and things like that really helped me as a coach because normally I wouldn't do that. But after two or three months of uh, writing in a journal for five minutes about my day as a coach, it kind of helped me go back and reflect and I could see what I wanted to work on for next year. Uh, another thing that he really helped me with was uh, how to instill, how to change habits and how players approach the game. So for example, if a player uh, isn't really doing like a thing consistently that he needs to be doing uh, every now and then, uh, there, were, there are a lot of different strategies in terms of how to approach that player based on um, how methodical or not methodical he is. So one example is you would just kind of sit behind the player and every time you want him to do a particular action, you would just prompt him. Uh, and then over time, uh, over like a week of doing that, you can slowly see that habit building in him. So there were just a lot of small strategies that he kind of knew from his side on the performance end uh, that really helped me shape uh, how I wanted to coach by myself in 2017. Thank you so much. And when implementing habits, um, did you get any um, resistance from players or was it something that you had to do like one habit at a time or like build it up? Um, how did that work? Yeah. So, I mean, everything you want to implement with players, you kind of have to walk them through um, because you need buy-in from the players for it to be effective or important uh, because it's not like the players don't want to change or don't want to improve on the things that you are asking them to do. Uh, they're just finding it difficult to either focus or remember or prioritize while they're playing the game. Um, I mean, I think for the most part, uh, when players go back and review the game, they themselves can understand all the things that are going wrong. It's just hard for them to process a lot of different variables uh, because league is, is such a information-heavy communication and coordination-based game that uh, just some extra help in terms of helping build habits, um, players usually appreciate. So I, I wouldn't say that there was too much uh, resistance from players uh, in terms of like helping out and implementing habits, just because if you have, if you work with them for a long time and you build up some goodwill, uh, even if you mess up a couple of times, as long as you're willing to admit that you fucked up and uh, you kind of move on to the next strategy, uh, you usually um, find that the players are pretty receptive. Thank you so much. Uh, for that. Problem. Moving on to my second question. Um, something that I noticed is back when you were a coach, you seem to steer away from being in a public eye too much. As a general manager, you have seemed to take on more interviews and be more publicly accept, uh, accessible. Um, why is that? Do you believe that as a general manager, you kind of have to take that responsibility to be a public liaison for the team? Or did you just see as a coach, there's no like need to be in the public eye? Uh, I think it just depends on the strengths and weaknesses of each coach or manager in terms of what's needed for them for their organization uh, at the time we had a lot of eloquent speakers on our team uh, like Bjergsen and Doublelift who can kind of speak on the behalf of uh, what what the team needed and what they were doing uh, and at the time I was really terrible in front of the camera to be to be pretty honest uh, so I just preferred not to not to be, go there uh, and also a lot of the times where I would be talking to the team things I would be talking about would be strategic and sensitive in nature. So I just naturally didn't show up on camera as much. Um, when I transitioned over to the GM role, um, it it was 
I do need to take on certain responsibilities in terms of um, working with the public, uh, making sure I work with media, press, uh, Riot, uh, and I do have a larger hand in decision making. And so it was easier for me to explain things clearly, um, especially since I became more of a point man as like the years went on. So I think both me being more comfortable on camera uh, and just being given a responsibility and having oversight over a lot more topics made it easier for me to do a lot more interviews and be more uh, public facing. Yeah, makes sense. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks, Streep. Awesome. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I loved what you said in the beginning about journaling. That's something I try to employ in my daily life as well. So really awesome answers there, Parth. We do have another voice caller. Uh, Richie, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Yes, I am. What's your hey, question? Um, yeah, so my name is Richie Fuentes. I am graduating this Saturday with my master's in applied statistics. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, I've, Congratulations. Thank you. I've always had incredible interest in applying data analytics at like player development and like uh, scouting players. Um, it was reading Moneyball was the inspiration in college that got me to switch to econ. So I esports is getting big and I want to see like how that type of analytics and data driven uh, mindset is being applied in the esports scene. So what practices from your data analytics team help you the most for predicting potential performances from the players you're scouting? Uh, sure. So this is a very, very complicated question. So I'll kind of touch on it a, a little bit at a time. First, Moneyball is a great movie. I recommend everyone watch it. Uh, second, congrats on Applied Stats. Uh, um, I think it's it's one of the hardest things to do, take, especially for your field, to kind of join an industry and find context uh, and help the industry out because especially for esports and league in general, um, I don't think that the application of data, especially the one, the things that are available to the public are really done in a very nuanced way. And so uh, representation of like player data, um, kind of aggregating what it means to be an elite player uh, and kind of making those arguments using data, I think is done pretty poorly so far. Um, and partly that's because of us working with Riot. Riot doesn't really provide as much data for us to work with. Um, they, there's a lot of restrictions in terms of how much in-game, like in-game actions, uh, and intervals that you can access data from. So you are more limited in terms of what you can get, especially if you want to apply it to, uh, solo queue, a lot, or large swath of competitive games. Uh, and I kind of understand from their perspective that if thousands of like teams that are in the competitive league ecosystem want to access all of this information, uh, it's going to overload like their servers and it's going to uh, be really hard. Uh, so that being said, um, we're fortunate enough at TSM to work with Blitz. Um, Blitz obviously is a software that helps you learn and grow and improve at a lot of different titles, including League, PUBG, etc. Um, with League itself, we've been able to work with them to analyze a lot of solo queue data in terms of um, how many games 
did the has the account played in terms of when they hit uh, high rank? Where did where does the improvement curve look like? Um, how many like, and we compare them to very discrete metrics that we have set up for each role. Um, so obviously, someone like for a top laner, one of the things that is really key is TP usage. So you can look at, for example, the 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 delta in team gold uh, after every TP usage that a top laner does. Uh, because that, that's a stat in theory you can um, kind of pull from. Um, and while it doesn't obviously pick, paint a big picture, it you can compare it to, like, you can compare it to an eye test of watching that player and you can see, hey, this data is showing me that this person might be good at this trade that we're looking for uh, in this role. Um, if you look at that person and you can see consistently that he is doing the thing right, then you can like verify the data and kind of have a check mark next to it. So we do have like internal metrics for each role in terms of what we're looking at when we're scouting. And then uh, we're obviously, we continue to tweak and improve upon it as, as we go. So I think scouting uh, is like an important, I think stats and scouting are going to be married together more in the future when uh, a data is more readily available and uh, b when the level of amateur programs or academy programs around the around the globe are more standardized to that level. But there's still a lot more work to be there, done right now. So um, there's definitely a lot of room for like people of your background to come join this industry. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and I. I appreciate the depth of your of your response because yeah, what I got out of that it was like you have your own internal metrics that give that give you that um, yeah that prediction in terms of like how successful this player might be if they got to the pro scene. Yep. Um, the next question I have is like on the player development side, and same thing. What practices have helped you the most in accurately modeling or um, evaluating the development of your players so that they're maximizing the performance on game day? Um, that's a very complicated question. I mean, obviously, I think every team does pick band analysis. Uh, right now, a lot of uh, effort is actually put towards analyzing patches and patch changes uh, because uh, the biggest difference between league and traditional sports is that the game changes every two or three weeks. Uh, and depending on like how big the changes are. Like if, if the game is changed at like a fundamental le level where the entire way the jungle, like obviously this, this off season, the, the jungle role is entirely changed. And so that's gonna have repercussions to the early game, how, which champions are strong uh, in the jungle role. But then once you kind of figure out that, you also have to uh, create optimal team comps around it and so it's going to reverberate and reverberate and change the uh, optimal compositions in the other roles as well and so um, figuring out how much impact the different changes in the patch have uh, is a first like you look at just you have to collect a lot of data but from solo queue from different regions from other pros around the around the scene then you have to apply it to the the specific subset of your players in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, how they like to play the game. Uh, and then you kind of have to analyze and figure out as a coach, hey, this change makes sense for us. It's really meaningful. And no matter what, we have to apply it. Or this change is somewhat meaningful, but it may not apply to our team. So we're going to work around this change in this way. Or this change is so insignificant 
even though it might be showing up in Korea, it's so insignificant to us because our teams play the game very differently. So it's not going to matter. Uh, it's, again, a combination of looking at data, figuring out what's important, uh, putting it into the proper context, and then making decisions and iterating on it. So uh, that's usually where the bulk of our kind of analysis and coaching goes into. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. Awesome. Wow. I had no idea how much analysis really goes into it behind the scenes. Really cool to hear about. I don't think we have another voice question just yet. Um, so we do have some text questions that I will read aloud to you. Um, so Tristan asks, how did you transfer from your more technical STEM background to esports? What skills have or haven't translated that you expected to translate? Um, so I, I left Boeing in 2014 and I kind of spent a year just traveling and doing league on the side. Um, I'd say the primary skills that transferred over are just the idea that in order to run like, like in order to iterate, you have to run like a pretty decent and decent experiment where you have to control the variables. Um, and that's how I kind of ran a lot of the team in 2016 and 2017, where uh, when we were iterating, we were we were slow, obviously, and that was one of the things we were criticized for, but we knew the impact of each of the variables that we were changing and how it would affect us and our team. So I think that was like one of the, the key takeaways from like things that we learned on the, on the STEM and science side and experimentation and research and being able to directly apply it. Outside of that, all of the like, discrete technical knowledge that I used in my field didn't really apply as much. Uh, it was mostly how to how to work with play how how to work with different people who are different ages, cultures, um, and have different ideas of how do you how do you approach things, making sure that you can kind of um, decide on a consensus, move forward, how do you work with leaders and implementing ideas? How do you work how do you want to how do you go about presenting your ideas and then um, working with criticism and kind of implementing that. Those are kind of the skills that I learned in college and in my work life that were more translatable and and uh, valuable because a lot of people in the esports industry, especially players, uh, are obviously really young and they have no exposure to any of that. And so anyone uh, on their team, staff, uh, whether it be coach, general manager, um, helping them implement and learn some of these strategies uh, goes a long way. So I would say, both like your hard skills in terms of working in the tech background help you, but also a lot of the soft skills you learn as well. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, looks like we have another voice question. Whoop ass. Is that you? Are you with us? I am. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Pretty good. It's good. I'm talking, it's good. I'm talking to Whoopass, so can't be going too badly. Hey, listen, don't hate on the name because it's. I old. wasn't hating. Respect it. <laughs> it's uh, it's probably from like 20 years ago, so I've been around the bush a while. Um, yeah. First question I have, I kind of want to shift gears here away from, kind of like all the esports talk, and and kind of more look at the interaction you have inside the organization, both in your role and, and in TSM as a brand. So I'm just going to try and get my question here. So um, your role that you do today as a general manager, what is the part of your day or week, if it happens to be infrequent, that you 
get like excited the most from that, that really gets you up and says, I really enjoy that aspect of my job. I think for anyone uh, working on like a competitive program, it has to be uh, working with players and coaches, uh, especially close to playoff or game days. Because uh, ultimately, like that's where you kind of see the results of all the work that you put in, right? Um, so I'd say that's for sure easily the most important, like a the most important, and b the most exciting part of my job is um, helping the coaches iterate on what they're doing, um, talking to players, making sure that they have everything they need, and looking at what they are in terms of like what their development curve looks like, or making sure that they are able to kind of fit in in the way in our team and culture that they want to be and be able to execute like the vision that we have collectively on, on stage. So anytime that you're able to kind of help a player or a staff member do that and see the results of what you're doing on stage, that's probably the most exciting, interesting and rewarding and obviously sometimes really heartbreaking. Um, but I think anyone who works on the esports side in any competitive game uh, I think you have to kind of feel like the passion for it. And so um, I would say that, that would be it. Sweet. That's uh, pretty good. Um, and then going down into a different direction here with that, mm -hmm. we all know like as fans and, and seeing the viewpoints from the player's view and all the social content that gets produced, you have quite a decent idea of what it's like to be behind the scenes as a player. But as someone in management and in a management position, and I, I currently work in a management position with my industry, which is completely not related to esports, I know it's a lot different than people working at kind of like the entry level or the, or the trench work. And I just want to know what it's like for you behind the scenes to work for TSM. And uh, how do you enjoy the day-to-day -day operations that are not team related and just working for the brand of TSM? Yeah, for sure. So... I mean, this is a crazy question because uh, when I joined TSM back in 2015, we were, I mean, it was like a crew of 10 or so people. It was like myself, Andy, Lena, Dan, um, and then just like the league team. Um, we, I think when when I joined, we were first picking up Leffen and, uh, and branching out into the other games. So obviously what I did as like a manager and working uh, for the team has really evolved. Now we have uh like multiple game titles we have a sales department a partnerships department um we have uh our kind of dev side with um working on blitz and other projects over there so the the company's really evolved over time so i think it's been an amazing experience especially for me to work internally in company work closely with andy and lena and kind of see the company grow from where it was, where it was just basically a league team to this insane uh, behemoth that kind of encompasses all of gaming and media right now. Um, and with that, my role has obviously also changed. Before it was like, I think back in 2016, I was coaching the team, I was managing the team, I was helping them um, do their sponsor deliverables, I was ordering them food, I was helping them hang up posters in the wall. Um, cleaning out the microwave when they set, set it on fire. So uh, back then your job was kind of all encompassing. Uh, and now I think I have a, a lot more like discrete role in terms of what I do at the company. So for example, like my day would like, obviously my day and my week kind of changes based on where in the season we're at, but 
my traditional day will look like. I have like a few meetings where I'm catching up with coaching staff and like going through um, like our kind of weekly review. I'll speak to people uh, internally at, at TSM, making sure that we have like everything on the sponsor side or our kind of projects coming up have um, like our plans are kind of moving forward. Maybe I'll have a few calls with Riot in terms of like talking about next split or next season. Are there going to be any meaningful changes for us uh, so I can kind of prepare and uh, make changes to like our like annual um, like planning. So uh, I, I think I miss a little bit more of like the old days where you kind of felt you had control and not as much control over everything. Uh, but I do think that now it's, while it's a lot more structured and efficient, um, it, it is, um, you kind of have to, I have like, I have to take a step back and see, um, like allocate my time where I'm needed the most. So it's definitely two different worlds going from where we were in 2015 to where we are right now. Totally agree with that. <laughs> I, I'm so glad I was on mute. I was literally dying laughing as you said you were putting out the microwave fire. You can say that your job is literally putting out fires figuratively and physically. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's uh, that's all I really wanted to ask. Thank you so much for doing this and all the time that you spent with TSM. Um, I got to see you guys when you came up here in Toronto back in, I think it was 2016, and, and you won the split, which was awesome. I hope that uh, you get some continued success as a brand and, and really hope that maybe one day I'll get a chance to meet you two in person. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you. And Parth, I do have to pass along this compliment from Pokemans in the chat. Uh, they say that they really like your office. Oh, it's actually not my office. I am borrowing this office for the use of the stream. Oh, well. But I'll pass beautiful. it along. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone's loving it. Uh, and those are such wholesome questions. I loved those questions. Awesome responses, too. Um, we do have another caller on the line, Panda Turtle, two amazing Hello. animals. Are you with us? Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, I'm Panda Turtle. <laughs> um, I guess, should I ask my question now? Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so my question was, I was curious what your thoughts on regarding it being like a hard worker and not working too hard in terms of like your time balancing it and if there were any struggles that you had regarding like making sure that your job didn't like consume like all of your time or did you think that was like kind of required for the job um i think i personally i i enjoy like putting everything i have into my work mm -hmm. um Back in, I think, 2016 and 2017, um, I was dating someone, but it was long distance. So I was, I, I would say I was a kind of a terrible boyfriend. Uh, I would work from like the moment I got up to the moment I went to sleep. Uh, and it was really rewarding, right? Like you're doing a lot of different things. You're obviously uh, working at TSM. You have a lot of eyes on you. And um, there's a lot of like, every week you have like meaningful returns in terms of like, hey, we won this weekend. We did really well. We're improving on this. Um, but I think as kind of time went on, uh, you kind of have to, at least for me, I had to kind of realize like where I'm learning and growing as a person and where I'm not. So for example, I think at the end of 2017, one of the reasons that I wanted to step down as a coach was because while for the players, it was 
um, you kind of get that feedback every week where you have a new patch, you're learning and improving and growing as a person. Uh, and even if you have step backs, you always have goals. Um, I think one of the things that it's really missing from the scene is kind of coaching development uh, and helping them kind of uh, recognize where their strengths are, where the weaknesses are and what they need to grow. Uh, and back then, that really didn't exist. Uh, all coaching staffs were like kind of skeletons. You had like one analyst maybe at the time. Um, and so I think I put a lot of myself into it and I got to the point where every victory was more of a, a relief that we won because we were expected to win and not because like we did something amazing or great. Uh, and so I really felt burnt out in, in my role because I felt like I wasn't really improving and growing as a person so much. So um, then obviously I transitioned over uh, and as, as a GM, I had like a new set of uh, responsibilities and things that I had to do. And then I found new challenges uh, and goals that I could improve on. So I think uh, like a long answer to your question, but um, I think it depends for every person. For me personally mm -hmm. at TSM, I, I really enjoy working here when I have tangible goals that I know I'm working on. Uh, and I'm really excited about like the either the product I'm working on or like the people I'm working with. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, when when there's times where I'm I feel really burnt out or I really need to take like a step back, I also make sure that I kind of disconnect for like a week or two. And I'm really happy that Andy and Lena and like my people who are kind of above me recognize that uh, this is just how the industry is. And whenever I've needed time off, I've always I've like never had any hesitation. They've sometimes even forced me to take time off when I I haven't wanted to. So um, I think. TSM especially uh, is really, really uh, cognizant of kind of work-life balance and uh, it kind of gives you the opportunity to do as much, like have as much impact as you want, but also mm -hmm. at the same time um, gives you kind of the time to take a break and like work on your personal life as well. Because I think I've been here six years and obviously I've had a lot of growth on my personal side as well. Um, and I would, don't think I would have been as fulfilled um, both on like on my work side and my personal life if I didn't have like the backing of everyone here at TSM. So Can I ask you a follow-up question? Or... Yeah, shoot. Um, so I was curious if you felt like you got better at recognizing when you felt like you may be burning out or do you feel like, like have there been like, have you been able to see any like patterns, I guess, to get better at noticing it or? Yeah, so one thing I started doing uh, was I think whenever I got started getting burning out, especially in 2017, uh, my sleep got significantly worse. Uh, I think mm -hmm. back in 2017 summer or going into Worlds, I think maybe I was only able to sleep four or five hours a day. So I think sleep tracking became really important for us. And it's something that we're trying to implement in our league team, actually. So, That's so we, cool. yeah, so everyone has aura rings, but you can have like a Fitbit or whatever, whatever you want. Um, mm -hmm. And you can just just have like a sleep pattern and track like how much sleep you're getting. Uh, and that's, that's for me, that's like my personal monitor of like what, when I know I'm getting, when I see that I'm getting really shitty sleep for like a week or so, I know like that's personally that I'm cool, burning out and I kind of just back out. So hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously that might not be the same for everyone, yeah. but that's just something that works for me. Mm -hmm. I think that answers my question. Thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for your question. Mm -hmm. All right, the voice questions are rolling in. 
Next up, uh, Patrick Yee has three quick questions. Patrick, are you there? Hello. I'm like really nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Uh, hello, my name is Patrick Yee. I am currently finishing up my master's in accounting this summer. So, woo, almost done this. Nice. I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for both of you for doing this for all the students. And thank you for Allie, too, for planning all of this. I know we all really, really appreciate it. And this is super cool. Yeah, no problem. So first question for Parth, what made you decide to go to TSM? Did you always want to get into esports? Uh, nope. I was... So I had I really had two interests while I was working. It was esports and education. And at the, at the time, it was, um, I was kind of like doing like side fantasy leagues. Wanted to do some analysis on the side. So um, I was only taking a year off, and I was going to go back to kind of engineering or something in my like technical discipline uh, after I was done. Uh, but I think in 2015, TSM made me an offer, and it's something that. Um, I don't know. It was it was kind of just a path less traveled type thing where I knew I could always go back and do something else if I really wanted to, but opportunities like this weren't going to come by too often. Um, so I didn't really have like I wasn't like pushing for joining an esports team or anything, but it just kind of happened along the way. Oh, so they actually reached out to you then? Uh, yeah. So I think. I just put up some work on Reddit. I think Loco at the time was coaching, so he reached out to me. I was working as an analyst, so I started doing like analysis work like while remote for fun. Uh, and then after that, after I think spring, uh, they asked me to join kind of full-time in person. Oh, that's super cool. Okay, cool. Um, second question, what's your favorite memory from working at TSM throughout all these years? Um. There are a lot. Um, I'd say the one that I'm not sure it's it's not something that I've talked about too much, but it's when Doublelift first joined our team, joined TSM in 2016. Um, it was weird because back then things were so informal that we didn't have like there weren't agents or contracts or like going through these points and like this official thing, you know. Uh, I think after talking to CLG, um, Andy brought over Doublelift to see our office at the time, which was which was fairly small. And I think we just spent the in, they just spent the entire day on like sitting on various beanbags, talking about their past and their motivations, um, how much they love WoW, uh, how they used to kind of how their parents used to like turn off the power or cut the internet and stop them from playing too much. Uh, and just kind of getting to be a part of like that experience. Uh, I kind of, that's like a memory that I always uh, have held with me. Uh, so I guess I'll go with that for now. Huh, that's pretty cool. I remember when Double uh, first joined TSM, that was one of my highlights too. It blew my mind. <laughs> and, yeah, it was uh, wild for, for, the, for the time for sure. Yeah. Uh, and for my final question, if you could go back in time and change one thing about your career, what would it be? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I mean, I, I know this hypothetical is kind of posed in both our career and general lives. Like, if you could go back, what would you change? Uh, I feel like I wouldn't really want to change too much drastically. 
uh, I enjoy like the things that we did, the, the struggles that we've had, and it's kind of made me the person who I am today and where I am right now. So I wouldn't say I would change too much. If you want to say like for the success of the league team, uh, I don't think we would made the same decisions in the end of 2017 that we did. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was all really cool to hear. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the questions. Thank you. Awesome. That was a hard-hitting question at the end there. Yeah. Well, we've got another voice question from Amit. Amit, are you with us? Hello? Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yep. We can oh, now. Here. Yes, hello. Nice to meet you. My name is Amit Yogya, and I'm a sophomore at Sensei State University, and I'm a huge TSM fan. Um, I just have a question regarding like MSI, like like two or three questions regarding MSI. How do you feel that like Gigabyte Marines can't participate because of like COVID re re you know, restrictions from their country? So like, do you think that's a little bit unfair for them that they can't represent their country? Obviously, it kind of sucks with like COVID and everything, but do you think like having MSI with COVID is like good or like what is your like overall opinion on that? Sure. So, I mean, to answer that question, it's mo more of a business question. Yeah. Obviously, uh, MSI is an event that the entire schedule of the League of Legends competitive League of Legends ecosystem is built around, right? Like everyone yeah. has a break during this time for MSI to exist. And so I think Riot overall has done a really great job at like working with teams and making sure that the event happens, especially uh, like especially uh, at like the venue that they chose. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of really happy. Like I think getting most of the teams there uh, is a feat in itself because of mm -hmm. how crazy the political landscape is around COVID and travel. Yeah. Uh, I do think that it really, really sucks for GAM. And uh, I think Vietnam is a really incredibly strong region with a lot of good players uh, that are really underrated uh, by kind of the global landscape just because of um, because they're just they're just kind of like the little brother of like China and Korea, you know, but yeah, I think yeah. they're, they're really strong competitive players. Um, I'm really sad for them. I think Riot should do everything possible to make sure that they're still acknowledged uh, at MSI for like winning the region and they were supposed to represent there. I know Riot when uh, they couldn't make it to Last Worlds, uh, they still gave like the team a prize pool, and so I oh. think Gam should be like eligible for that. Um, and any like icons or skins you can buy in like the and in, in the like the league, I think they should have as much things possible that kind of showed like the global stage that they deserve to be there and be represented. Uh, yeah. That being said, I still think that MSI should still go on because I think both for the fans and all the other like 16 or 18 teams that are there who are currently competing, um, they put in the effort like all year and they won their regional tournament. So they also deserve the, the right to be seen. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I love watching like the old Gigabyte Marines with Levi in them. That was a fun time to watch when we were back a little in normal. Um, yeah. My next question is like, who do you, who do you think is gonna win? Obviously, I think everyone has a favorite who's gonna win. But do you think any can anyone can upset Dom one this year? Uh, I think RNG is really strong. If you go back and look at, um, I mean, I think LPL in general is not so a, like a region that you can ever count out. Uh, if you go back and watch their playoffs, I think RNG, FPX. A lot of these teams are really, really powerful and have really strong contenders and uh, players at them. Uh, and just the way they team fight and skirmish is uh, 
insane. So yeah, that watch. plus, yeah, exactly. And that plus uh, the meta changes uh, is always going to make it kind of, it's going to balance the board out a little bit uh, in terms of like who adapts better. So mm -hmm. I definitely think that there's uh, teams that can upset, upset down one for the title for sure. Do you think C9 will upset them tomorrow morning? Or yeah, for um, us tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, best of ones are obviously wild, right? Like it's the it's the first game you're playing in a tournament, first game on stage in like a month, I guess. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say it's like they're the favorites to win that game, but I don't think it's I'm not gonna be like shocked if C9 took a best of one game away from Dawn. Cool. And do you think like so, similar to that? Do you think C9 is one of the one of the better teams that we've sent to Worlds with like perks coming onto the roster. Obviously, it's a C9 question, a TSM question, but do you think that they are one of the stronger teams that can represent us and potentially make us make us go far at Worlds for once? Uh, it's really hard to say. I definitely think that bringing perks over made our region stronger, um, mm -hmm. but I think the game is changing and evolving all the time, and so it's really hard to predict uh, like how a team like that is going to do at Worlds, you know? Because uh, yeah. you just have to be able to adapt and grow. Uh, the entire, I think back then, all the players were different. Uh, when C9 did well, they were really adaptable and were able to work together really well. Uh, and then even their coaching staff, they had Reaper back in the day. And yeah. so uh, I'm not I'm not saying that the new, new set of players and the new staff isn't like up to the task. You just kind of have to wait and see how that team kind of uh, does when they're put in this high pressure situation where they're now constantly playing against scrimming against the best teams in the world uh, and what they kind of take away from that and play on stage because it's one thing to kind of do well in a region and uh, be really confident when they play on stage but you have to kind of carry over the same kind of qualities and attributes when you play at international tournaments so um, I'm not sure but I, I hope so I hope they do well uh, I would I would hope they win MSI and we get a fourth seed to Worlds so that would be nice. One time NA wins something. Okay, well, that's yep. it for me. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Awesome. We have even more voice questions. Um, we've got two voice questions kind of queued up here. So, Dorwe, you're first. Dorwe, are you with us? Yes, I am right here. Uh, am I allowed Hello. to ask my question now? Yes. Oh, Hello, uh, my name is Joshua, and I've been wanting to talk to you for such a long time, Parth, so I'm very excited about this opportunity. So thank you for sparing your time to talk to people like this. Um, yeah, like no problem. I, and I'll just get right into the questions then. My first question is, what is the biggest problem you faced as a coach, and how did you overcome it? And it could be personal or with the team. Uh, I'll just go back to 2016 and 2017 because I think when I was coaching in recent years, it wasn't like the role wasn't really in, intended as much. Um, I think back then it was always a challenge of, um, I think the biggest challenge is if you want to be competitive at a global level, you want to be really adaptable. And so obviously winning NA, you can kind of you can kind of strategically prepare to win NA in a certain way, but once you go to international tournaments, uh, like I mentioned to the previous caller, you're going to be facing like teams that were 10 times better uh, at 
every aspect of the game from like laning to team fighting to macro uh and say you were able to win in a with like min maxing one or two of those of those things right you kind of you're now constantly tested at the things that you are the best at um so you just have to fix your issues really fast um in especially in a in a case where like the patch is different uh, in a high stress environment especially around worlds and so i'd say that was always our biggest challenge going to an international tournament and kind of improving rapidly and being able to demonstrate confidently how you can like how your style of legal agents onto the stage um i don't think that we were able ever able to overcome that hurdle uh unfortunately so i can't really say to that but there are there are a lot of things that we tried um while we were there so i know there was like a so for example there was one theory there um where they said tsm tryharded every scrim against every opponent uh that wasn't necessarily the case what we found is obviously if you've never practiced the strategic like strategies that you want to implement then you're not going to be able to showcase it on stage so what we would do is we would hide like one or two key picks or one or two key strategies from every team that we scrimmed and so every team would get like a sense of what we were playing but not like the full sense you know this way we were always able to practice everything that we wanted but we would always have like something left behind that the opponents didn't see um then we had to um figure out like a training regimen that worked us for us there for example uh in north america you would have back then we would do like three games break three games when you go to international tournaments sometimes you have to do like five games straight for a scrim block so you had to kind of adapt that as well um so there were just a lot of changes and tweaks that you have to make when you go internationally and um i kind of wish that we'd done just slightly better each year because we were very close to making it out that was a great answer. So it's like adaptability, I felt like was the biggest thing I got from what you said. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Adaptability in the face of like high stress situations. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'll jump right into question two. If you were looking for people to add on to your coaching staff, what qualities do you look for? Sure. Uh, so it really depends. Um, I think building a coaching staff is now almost as important as building a roster because uh, they kind of they have to complement each other, you know? Uh, say you have a team of veterans, like say for example, you have like a G2 team where everyone is like uh, top, top of their class, um, veteran players. You want a coaching staff that kind of helps supplements that uh, and kind of helps provide structure. If you have a team like, for example, Mad Lions or Rogue in the last couple of years where they have a lot less experience, you want a more like solid coach who can help teach and instill a lot of the fundamentals uh, in the team. So I think there needs to be a good balance between like the roster that you have and the coaching staff that you have, and they must work together well. Um, then specifically looking into the coaching staff, uh, I think you need a good balance of uh, someone who understands the strategic side of the game, someone who understands um, the um, helps kind of implement structure, and then uh, you need to also have someone who can like have be slightly more of an authoritative figure uh, to help like work, kind of implement a lot of these things with the team. Because uh, I found that 
you can be smart or have good ideas or have a good structure, but if you can't, if you don't have like the way, if you don't have a path to execute that um, uh, structure or strategic elements to the team, then it doesn't matter like how much knowledge you have as a coach or an analyst. So every coaching staff that I've been trying to build, especially this year, we kind of have all three elements. Um, so I, I can speak to our coaching staff currently. For example, Bjergsen is someone who obviously has a lot of strategic knowledge and uh, he has a player perspective, but um, he is someone that he hasn't been on like the coaching staff side in terms of like how long it takes to do draft prep or how he should run presentations. And so, or how he should like talk to every player after like losses, defeats, etc. cetera. Uh, and so that's why Curry kind of helps supplement a lot of that because he used to be a head coach. Uh, on the other hand, we have Jack uh, Kays, who does a lot of our strategic presentations and uh, helps kind of keep a lot of our team uh, and players accountable to the standards that we're uh, trying to implement. And so the three of them together all have different skill sets that kind of work together to help the team out. So I'd say just as a short on the short side, I think you do need all three of those elements, strategic, um, structural, and some sort of level of authority. Uh, and you can find that in one person or multiple people. But I think in terms of like how you approach each team, it does vary on the composition of like the players and the roster you have. Oh, wow, that was such a much bigger answer than I expected. So thank you so much for going so in-depth into it. Um, yeah, no my problem. third question is very lighthearted. So I was I wanted to ask if you do you play any other games like board games and such and if so which one is your favorite uh my favorite board game is bang um yeah it's a it's an old school it's it's loosely like mafia where you have kind of different roles from like it's an italian game first of all that's that talks that's um based on the wild west so a lot of the cards have like italian on them um and it's like you have like a you have a sheriff who everyone knows, but then you have like a bunch of roles that no one knows, and then you're trying to like figure out different objectives. Like some objectives, some people are trying to kill the sheriff, some people are trying to defend the sheriff. Um, so it's a really fun game, and it's a really easy game to transform into drinking as well. So it's, <laughs> that's the plus. Have you ever done a double roll bang? Uh, one more time. Have you ever done double roll bang? where you have two characters like and then you use both abilities of both characters oh no we've never done that but we've we've allowed suggested. we've allowed players to swap between the two so yeah okay i'll try that yeah sounds really overpowered though uh, it's really fun but there are some combinations that you have to say is too overpowered and you have to ban those combinations yeah yeah like i yeah. imagine if you have like i don't know kit carlson and I actually yeah. kit plus like any other like like damage dealing person is gonna be really powerful. Yeah. But all interesting. Right. Thank you so much. So that was all my questions for right now. Yep. Take it easy. Thanks for the questions. All right. We are getting towards the end of the hour here. So we've got two more questions for you, Parth, if you don't mind. We have got no Kanata on the line. Hi, hello. Can you hear me? Yep. We can. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, my name is Kanata. I'm a second year master's student at the University of Denver studying sport and performance psychology. Um, so my question is a little bit um, around that around that realm. 
Um, mm -hmm. Let's say in the future, there's an esports combine that's created, uh, much like the NFL and NBA combine, a little bit separate from, from scouting grounds. Mm -hmm. um, what characteristics or aspects of an athlete would you want this combine to assess? Um, stuff like reaction time, confidence, anxiety regulation. What, what would you want that type, of, that type of combine to assess? And also, additionally, with that, what do you look for in an esports athlete when, you, when you're looking to sign them? And what mm -hmm. makes an esports athlete successful? Uh, for sure. I think that's a very complicated question. Um, we've run combines in the past. Uh, so for the last two, wait, last three years, we've been running a our own like scouting combine where we invite players over and kind of like test them, uh, do like a rigorous interview process, and kind of try to figure out more about a person on a holistic level. I think it's something that esports right now doesn't really traditionally do, especially league, uh, because of how terribly the off-season structure is set up after Worlds. There just isn't time for a lot of like teams to run tryouts and do all of this kind of stuff. And so uh, I think it is really important for the growth of just the league, like the ecosystem in general, if a lot more of like a lot more combines and uh, tryouts were to take place. Um, for us specifically, we look at a lot of different things, and it just again it depends on the um, the role that we're looking to kind of hire for. Um, so, for example, if if we're looking at uh, a veteran player that we're that needs to fill a certain role, obviously um, he needs to satisfy like the qualifications for that role. Uh, so, for example, let's say we're looking for like a veteran AD carry, he needs to understand like. Mac movement, but also have like his mechanics still be like top notch. We need to test like how pliable and adaptable he still is uh, as a person because the longer you play league on various teams, you kind of you 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 get a sense. You kind of fall into very certain patterns uh, as a player that you're comfortable with to try to be able to adapt in other other ways. And so uh, you want to make sure that the ways that you want them to be pliable is is still there. So for example, if you have a an AD carry who really, really likes to like stomp lane uh, and is always played to, uh, if he if you're expecting him to come onto a team and you're expecting him to play to like a, a top laner or something, uh, he needs to play weak side sometimes or he needs to roam or help the jungler, then you want to make sure that those qualities are still going to be like, he's still going to be able to do those things as a veteran. So I think vetting vet like checking out veterans is different than rookies. I think for rookies, uh, again, we have like an internal metric of um, in-game things that we're all looking at, uh, that we're all evaluating. Uh, on the outside, I think some of the key important things is being able to handle stress, um, uh, being able, being open to feedback. Uh, and I think one crucial thing is being able to take feedback um, very openly, especially about things that have nothing to do with the game. Um, so if if a if someone tells you that, hey, you're being really loud or obnoxious, or uh, like you're doing X and Y, and it's 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 hurting the team, they need to be able to like internalize that, uh, think through it, and over a period of time, be able to improve with that. Uh, because uh, I think on a as personalities go, I think uh, esports players are again really young, right? And you take these young competitive players, put them in really high stress situations. You're never gonna know how they're gonna react and what they're gonna do. And if they have no sense of like self um, self evaluation and knowing that there are these aspects of their personality that they need to kind of 
not personality, these aspects of their uh, contribution to the team they need to work on, then they're not going to be, they're never going to be like superstar athletes. They're just going to be like players that are going to be good or in their role, but they're never going to like hit that next level. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that are super important. Um, that being said, from like a holistic level, we actually do work with a group, uh, kind of shout out Logitech here. Uh, Logitech um, is in contact with Liminal Collective, which is kind of a group of performance experts um, who have worked with like uh, insane, uh, like Red Bull athletes, uh, NFL programs. Uh, we work with them during all of our combines. They come kind of uh, at our, at our studio or wherever we're holding it. Uh, and our interview process is really rigorous. Um, we'll have one player at like the end of the table and they'll be surrounded by maybe like three or four coaches and then two of the two or the three of these um, kind of perf uh, our performance coaches. So it'll be like a gauntlet of 10 people that this player is kind of answering questions with. Uh, and so, um, and I think you can ask any of the, you can ask maybe Lost or, um, had evolved or anyone who's been at our previous uh, scouting grounds what that like experience was like for them but i think scouting for players and running these combines is really hard and we're kind of hoping to iterate upon it like as much as we do but i, I do think that again once you're done with your degree you should try to get more experience if you're interested in esports and um there's like a whole world waiting for people like you to come join us because right now uh all of the people in the industry on the, especially with, with your expertise, either don't understand esports or are too young and have no experience. So there's a huge market here for you. Awesome, yeah. And that was kind of gonna lead to, to my next question of advice for someone like me going into the field of esports. I definitely do want to go into esports. Um, I think if I could work with TSM, that'd be amazing, but you know, that's, uh, you guys are such a prestigious organization and I, I am just coming off of grad school and so, you know, I'm going to be realistic here. Probably not going to. You probably aren't going to hire me anytime soon. But I think I was wondering what what would you look for in a performance coach or a sports psychologist that you think would be ISA uh, in in that relationship. What would you be looking for, and what do you think? Um, yeah, I guess what would you want out of a performance coach, and what do you do you want them to bring into into the team? Yeah, I mean, for right now, I mean, we're actually looking for a performance coach ourselves. Um, going into summer next year, uh, but it's it's a big struggle, right? Because you want someone with a lot of experience, um, but you also want them to apply that experience to the context of esports. And right now, that marriage hasn't really happened yet. And so, right now, we're obviously look we're kind of trending more in the direction of someone who has more experience, and then uh, bringing them in, um, giving them the context, and then then they can kind of provide us feedback and help our players and teams. Um, for you specifically, I would definitely recommend uh, if if esports is somewhat a place where you want to apply uh, your knowledge to. I don't necessarily think you even have to start in esports. Uh, I think a lot of people have misconceptions about that. I think if you actually start in traditional sports programs or um, yeah, traditional sports programs or even working and do some like volunteer work with esports programs on the side or keep up with it, I think you'll gain knowledge a lot faster because you learn from uh, coaching methodologies and how to work with um, like more professional players uh, faster, and then you'll be able to translate those skills uh, to uh, like to esports teams later on down the road. So um, I know that might suck because you might want to start working for like esports teams directly if that's something that really you aspire to. But I do think that 
for someone in your position, it makes a lot more sense from like a learning and growth perspective to work with traditional sports programs much more first because they're they're just a lot more developed right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for for that and for your insight. And hopefully, I get to talk to you soon. And when I apply to be TSM sport coach or performance performance coach. All right, looking forward to it. Awesome, thank you guys. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're at time, but Parth, do you have time for one more text question? For sure. Awesome. So it'll be the last one. Um, pick up. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, sorry for butchering it. They've asked, with you having a STEM-focused career, then having garnered a job in esports through becoming an assistant coach, is there any advice or tips that you would give to those who seek opportunities within the realm of esports that may not necessarily align with either their current career or education path? Um, so I'd say every person, or I, I would say 99% of people in esports, um, didn't really take a traditional path here. There's no like college degree for esports. Like there's no way you can learn um, like the endemic knowledge in like any educational or experiential setting unless you're until until you're here. And so mm -hmm. I wouldn't really worry too much about where you're coming from um, because I think everything that you learn kind of gives you skills to like you can apply anything to an esports setting as long as you're confident and like able to communicate um, with people around you. Um, in order to start, I would say, I mean, obviously, isolate like what you're really interested in. And so, if um, if you want to go and join like the coaching side, um, you you really want to take on, you want you want to create, you basically want to add some some something to the industry. So you should try to um, create some analysis docs, talk about what's done in the industry and what you would do better. Um, something that's going to pique the interest of like. The teams in terms of like wanting to hire you and then also you should take on as many projects like do individual coaching group coaching um for as many like players and orgs as you can so i'd say that's like the biggest thing you can do to break into the industry because uh when someone like when i reach out to someone who's interested in working with me and I ask them for like some sort of portfolio or what they have done so far it's a lot more impressive to me if they've like if they tell me, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a coaching position or an analyst position, I've coached in the past year, I've coached uh, like 300 people and like masters and challengers uh, in these roles. Uh, and th that might not be like, like a like a technical degree or something that uh, you can like really put on like any traditional resume. But that context is really important for me when I'm looking at someone because it shows to me that they've put in the effort and terms of improving their craft uh and then i can kind of move forward but um so i i do think that the more projects that you do in the area of the esports that you're interested in by yourself create content you can just make a website and shove it on there or create a portfolio um those are like the things that are really gonna help get you like the next step when you apply for positions in esports Really awesome. Thank you so much, Parth, for your time, your insights. Yeah. Everyone is going crazy in the chat on how insightful you are. Um, so thank you so much for your answers and your time here with us tonight. Um, no is problem. there anything, any parting words that you want to impart on our audience? Yeah, I actually wanted to say that uh, the league division for TSM is actually looking for, we're going to be sending out 
we're going to be posting something where we're looking for analysts and also people who want to work as player managers. So if you guys have graduated college and are interested, then feel free to send your resume, portfolio, anything to contact at tsm.gg uh, and we'll kind of take a look. And we're looking for uh, people who, again, of uh, varied experiences, anyone who kind of wants to break into the scene um, and we'll reach out to you if we think that you're a good fit. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. The chat's going nuts. They love it. Uh, well, okay. thank you everyone for attending. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks again, Parth, for all of your knowledge and wisdom. So great to have you. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. It was fun. Awesome. And I want everyone to come back next Wednesday, May 12th. We'll have another really, really special guest on the TSMU Q&A series, Matt Steenstra. He is the Influencer Partnerships Manager at Icon Talent Agency. So next Wednesday, May 12th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Be right here, twitch.tv slash TSM University. Be sure to follow the channel so that you know when we are live. Also, be sure to join the Discord if you haven't done so already. It's discord.gg slash TSMU. And that's all I got. Thanks again, Parth. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks, everyone.